the armor that made a man out of Mac. Hey, quit kicking that sand in our faces. That man is the worst nuisance on the beach. Listen here, I'd smash your face, only you're so skinny you might dry up and blow away. The big boy, I'll get even someday. Oh, don't let it bother you, little boy. Later. Darn it, I'm sick and tired of being a scarecrow. Iron Man said he could help me out. I'll gamble my life savings to become a tough guy in the Iron Man way. Later. Boy, it sure didn't take long to get this great suit of armor. That boy will get a real blast out of these repulsor race. <laughs> Later. What? You here again? Now let's see who blows away. Hey, no fit. Oh, Mac. You are a real man. Could you point that hand in another direction? Hero of the beach. I didn't have to lift a single Wait. Please deface your comic book and fill out this wonderful coupon and send it to Yes, I'm Tired of Being a Gutless Wimp, Make Me a Cool Guy. Mail to Iron Man, care of Tony Stork, Secret Identity, Stork Enterprises, Hoboken, New Jersey. Please allow 46 weeks for delivery. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I am Jeff. Random banter cereal looks like random, but it's really a cereal. Random banter cereal stays crispy in milk, but I don't. <laughs> Random banter time, buddies. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. That's just creepy. That's just creepy. Which part? I mean, I know the general (laughs) vibe that I give out is creepy guy. So, which part? (laughs) That you you remain tasty in milk? It's true. (laughs) Crispy. I didn't say tasty. Crispy. I heard tasty. All right. <laughs> this seems like a you issue at this point. Often something is crispy. It's often tasty. So there's there's a lot mm, of overlap in that Venn diagram. This is true. This is true. This is true. So do you know what this came from? Well, uh, this came from one of the many cereals out there. It could be Lucky Charms. No, it's not Lucky Charms. Cookie Crisp. Ah, Cookie Boom. Crisp. Nice. In one. I saw Jeff <laughs> waving his hand while Rick was pontificating. Going, <laughs> nah, if I roll through enough, maybe it's Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, I meant to say. I give opportunities to people <laughs> who deserve those opportunities. And one of those people is right here. All right. Well, it was, it was really thematic for this episode. It was. It, it was quite. <laughs> so why would I have picked Cookie Crisp cereal to spoof on my random banter part? Any reasons? It's all about the cookies, baby. All about the cookies. Well, dag nabbit, I just can't figure it out. That's right. I know. Hey, it's, don't make uh, me clunk you. Oh, <laughs> these are just, this is massive spoiler territory of this seven page comic. I mean, this is crazy. I know. So, seven page, seven page story. And we're just kind of, we, we got nothing better to do. So we're just going to talk about other things. That's what we're going to oh, do right now. We're, we're also hammy. We are very, 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 very hammy. We're hammy. We're Tammy. We know a kid named Sammy. 
<laughs> He's got a sister named Tammy. Mm-hmm. All right. I think what we're doing is really marrying the lead. And as if you notice, there are three of us today. There is a Jeff, there is a Rick, and there is a Jeff. And that may get confusing, but I tend to hang out with a lot of other Jeffs. You'll get the vibe soon enough if you're having difficulty understanding who's who. Techni- technically, this is this is just Rick and Jeff, really, still. So, uh, Jeff, do you want to introduce yourself? All right. Well, I've been on the podcast for about three and a half years. Oh, no, no. this is going to get confusing. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, let me let me be more clear. Let me be more clear. Uh, will the bald Jeff please introduce himself? Uh, oh, That's not clearing man. things up. Okay. No. Okay. Will will the bald bald Jeff with facial hair? Uh, um. Hmm. Will will the bald facial hair Jeff wearing a comic book T-shirt please? Oh. Uh. Oh wait, mine's for a comic book podcast. So. I think that that one actually went to... Will the above said Jeff, who's in his basement... Man. Striking out. Wow, this is hard. Okay. Um, the daughter? Nope. Mm, nope. No. Nope. Um, I think that's no. the daughters, yeah. Okay, um, dare I say the better looking Jeff? Oh, I'll take that one. Okay. <laughs> I'm not fighting this. <laughs> I mean, it became obvious at that stage who you were talking about. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff, and welcome to What the Pack, a podcast most no, foul. No, 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 no. Uh, hey, uh, Jeff. Yeah? Yeah, there's something very, very wrong about what you just did there. Only one thing? I must be slipping. Yeah, I, I, wrong show. Yeah, I, get, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That is another Portland-based podcast. But remember, this is the Power Pack one, not the Howard the Duck one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Hub. <laughs> <laughs> And that's and that one's behind a PayPal, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so hi everyone, hi everyone. This is Jeff Clear. Uh, yes, I am another Portland-based podcaster. I don't talk about specific comics necessarily, but I do have my own little podcast network. I have the Unpracticed Cisrois Acting Company, which is a bi-weekly cold script reading where just anyone that wants to joins in and reads the script that I posted online. And no rules are assigned ahead of time. So I record it, edit it, and put it out there for people to have fun with. I also do a podcast with my 12-year-old daughter, Nori, where we talk about graphic novels. It started as a school assignment for her, but we've actually recorded everything that we needed to do as part of our school assignments. So anything we do beyond this point is just for the enjoyment of it. And then I do Heroclix 201, which is a podcast about the history of the Heroclix tabletop game. Nice. See, he's also kind of busy too. Yeah, he does, he's, <laughs> yeah. does a lot. I'm just, uh, Heroclix, that's, well, I was going to say that's a name I haven't heard in a while, but actually I do. And I think about it all the time. I used to play that. In fact, uh, I got to meet the, uh, can't remember the owner of WizKids name, creator of it uh, at a convention once, which was great. Yeah, me too. Um, Mike something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I still have a box for the original starter set mm-hmm. and he signed it for me and he signed that original Powers and Billy's card. That was pretty cool. Very cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, Jeff has been one of our fans for a very, very long time. Um, he actually is one of our only fans that came out and saw us do our only live show at a nearby campground that we were at with some of our friends and that that was a very pleasant surprise. It was a pretty primo venue, what with uh, having to stop the show to let airplanes pass by and stuff. <laughs> hey, we had fun. We had fun we did doing have it. Fun. That was great. And, and we brought beer for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, even the kids. Um, and it was such a nice day, too. It was beautiful. Yes, it was. Yeah. He's been a very wonderful supporter of our show. He's been a good friend to us, too. I, I think we've 
I've met up with him a few times. Even during the pandemic, we did the social distance exchanging of some stuff. So that's always very pleasant as well. But he is the one who reminded me about this issue that we're covering today. So I said, hey, why don't you be on the show and talk about it with us? So we are torturing him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's torture. It was my idea. On the other hand, legend has it the first person to be put through the guillotine was the man who invented it. Uh, It's not actually true, but that's what most people say. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that anybody really wants to say? We've introduced the guest. Uh, Nobody really needs to know any more about our annoying lies. I mean, I know some people are out there with their bingo cards looking for how Jeff injured himself this week. But we'll go ahead and pass by that one this time because... Sunburn. Okay, sunburn. There you go. Check the sunburn off the card. There we go. We can move on now. Um, Before we do that, though, we need to find out what happened last episode. So why don't we get a two-sense replay of last episode from our good friend Jeff? We covered two Two short short stories. stories. No, 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 no. Um, uh, Just... Regular Jeff. Not good-looking Jeff. Not guest star Jeff. Oh, okay. We covered two short stories at the end of the Power Pack holiday special, and in the first one, we discovered that Julie is willing to abandon her sister at night on a waterfront boardwalk to have a good pout when she sees the boy that she, like, like likes, making out with his girlfriend, but then she has a good heart-to-heart with her mom when she comes home late after her and the object of her, he doesn't know about it, affections failed to save the life of a net-bound porpoise that had washed up on the shore. In the second we see a going-to-have-to-take-a-fourth-grade proficiency test on Christmas Day to show that he is ready to move on to the fifth grade, but all signs point to him not passing, Jack Power, feeling bad for his stuck-with-him-for-the-holidays teacher because her son and family won't be able to make it to visit this year unless Jack catches the season spirit and gets a bright-as-a-reindeer-nose idea to have a team of Marvel's youngest superheroes fly her family to her to spread joy to everyone involved. Now that the... Unsurprisingly, Jack weaponized this act of humanity and spun it into a few extra days of studying to get into the fifth grade because his teacher now had her hands full and he was willing to push the test back because of it. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? You do know that after hearing that, I realized that you probably also would flunk a couple of grades for those insane run-on sentences, right? (laughs) It's a two-sentence replay. I do what I have to do to make it work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you see, here's the trick. If you just use more commas and don't use periods, it's still a sentence. <laughs> Run on or otherwise. You need a capital letter at the beginning, a period at the end. Yep. Some sort of... Anything in between is the sentence. I don't like to brag, but not just a period, some sort of punctuation. <laughs> okay. it, it could be an interrobang. Yes, and, and the words after run on, what is that? Sentence? Singular. Hmm. Well, thank you, my friend. And I would like to give you a beer for that fantastic effort that you gave. Now, I have given you our magical paper bag that has the beer in it. And I do want to apologize because I really, really wanted to get something else that was closer to it. But I still think that this is very appropriate. So would you please reach in the bag and tell me what beer... Uncle Rick got you this time. Hello, my friend. What's in this bag? It's a beer. A refrigerated beer. This is Bear Mug. Porter brewed with Kuma Coffee from Assemble, which is a brewery. 
Looks not like an R. It's from Ruben's Brews. Yes, you're right. That is. What story time on here? This is a nice looking can, though. This has got a, uh, a lumberjack bear wearing... That's uh, a fun looking yeah, can. It's wearing a toque and it's got a flannel shirt and it's next to some clawed trees and there's a cardinal sitting on a branch on one of those trees and a hatchet stuck in one of those branches. in uh, Not a branch, but in the tr- a tree itself. Looks really nice. Clearly, he's a lumberjack and he's okay. He works all night. And he sleeps all day. We all passed the Monty Python test. <laughs> yes. And story time on this is... Government warning, don't drink it if you're pregnant or you're going to drop her in. Blah, 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 blah. You know the story. Beer Mug is a collaboration with our good friends at Kuma Coffee in Seattle, Washington. This year, we're brewing a special batch of our award-winning Robust Porter with a custom blend from Kuma for Rubens AM Brews. Beer Mug is rich and roasty with an added layer of fruit sweetness from the Beer Mug Coffee Blend featuring Kenyan and Honduran beans. 5.9 ABV IBU of 30. And before I have Jeff Pullier introduce his drink of choice, why? Why did I go with Bear Mug? Jeff, do you have an idea? No, actually, uh, I, I don't get the relation to the story. Because Rick read a different story than us that it involved bears? Could be one of the other stories in the issue that we're not covering? No, let's talk a little bit about Katrina's power. Oh, <laughs> you clever, clever <laughs> boy, you. Katrina? Katrina's power is yeah. she stores energy and fires it off in the form of explosive, explosive teddy, teddy bears. bears. <laughs> oh, you smart, smart boy. I am, I am proud. <laughs> of you, Rick. I am super proud of you. That's clever. That is very clever. I really, really wanted to get a cookie-based one or some like milk and cookie-based one. Yep. Was not having any luck. <laughs> Cookies and cream stout, which sounds delicious that I don't think has ever existed. That had to have been one, but I mm-hmm. kept looking for many, many months and no joy, no joy. So here we are. In, in Portland, Oregon, there is not a cookie-based beer. That's mind-boggling. I checked. Anyways, there's. I'll find one the next time I go in. <laughs> Jeff, you are not an alcohol drinker. I was prepared to give you one of these, but what did you bring for yourself instead? Well, I appreciate the thought, and I want it to be thematic. So I have for myself, from the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, I have orange-flavored Powerade Zero Sugar Sports Drink. Powerade, you say? Powerade. Well, I I do know that the kids provide aid to some of their fellow superheroes. Yes. And they have power. They do have power. And in keeping with the thematic, I also brought a thematic snack. I have a Quest brand protein cookie, soft and chewy, double chocolate chip. There you go. It's because there is such a lack of chocolate chip cookies that that is providing twice the amount that Earth needs. Yes, yes, yes. That is the satisfying snack that Galactic Puss needs. If none of this makes sense to you, hang on tight. Hang on tight. Stay put. All will be revealed. What are you thinking about this? I am liking this. I'm not getting a heavy nose off of it. I'm getting a, a heavy kind of astringent coffee smell. Yeah, if, if anything, there is some coffee, but I'm not getting, it's not very strong. The taste is very, very coffee. This is a very coffee beer and um, very thick, black as yeah. night. Yeah, it is dark as sin. You cannot see through that. Very edges of the glass kind of have that reddish brown mahogany yeah. kind of coloration, but just at the very base of the base of the thing if you hold it up to some orchid lights like I do because that's where I record next to. I just hold it up and make sure that I don't see any Jeffs on my screen whatsoever. 
That's a that's a good beer. That's when a good you, beer. When you, you need to get more stouts. You're usually sad when we got the IPAs. You're like, oh, am I still? Oh seeing man, you? I, I'm getting like a three out of five Jeffs on this one. This one I'm getting zero <laughs> out of five Jeffs. My drink is is nowhere near as strong. It's very translucent. I I can kind of you know refract and see both of you through it. Hmm. Uh, it's been a long time since I had a Powerade. It's not as strong as I remember. Uh, their scent or taste, but it's good. Got a little bit of an aftertaste, but it's not a bad aftertaste. Cheers. Cheers. This has got just the, the coffee and, and porter aftertaste. It's it's very coffee. It's very dark. <clears throat> you like porters? You like coffee? This, I, this is the I, one for you. This is it. I mean, this is what yeah, you got. This, <laughs> there, there is not much more to talk about. Don't take this as a disparagement. It is a very generic coffee porter. Mm-hmm. It hits every checkbox that it needs. It just goes... Coffee, yes. Porter, yes. A little bit sweet, a little bit bitter. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's the descriptor of it. It's That's not it. bad. It's, it's not just, bad at all. It's very generic. It, it, it is exactly what it is saying it should be. And, it, and it's decent for that. I always thought it funny back on the Drew Carey show that he and his friends had a little side business called Buzz Beer, which was beer with coffee. And then years later, people started actually making yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, you know, that's actually not a bad idea. (laughs) Well, you know, if it's an idea from a sitcom, that it must be a genius idea waiting to be done. Which is why I have four dates at the same restaurant tonight. Oh, no. no. What's going to happen? Okay, the the beer's kicking in. The coffee's kicking in. It's all good. All good. All good. You know what else is good? The opening credits so we can explain some of these silly jokes that we have. To people. That's the idea, anyways. Not as good looking, Jeff. Please, take it away. What the? Issue number one. August 1988. Bower Brats meet Clunk and Dag Nabbit. Credits. Terry Austin. He thunk it up and slopped ink on the pages. June Brigman. She drawed this piece of graffiti and graphite. Jim Novak. He spelled all the words right and worked long into the night. Glennis Oliver. She used all 64 crayons in the box. Count them. Carl Potts. He busted out crying and fled screaming from the premises. Featuring the Bower Brats. Sammy, a.k.a. Golly Gee Whiz, can become lightheaded. Tammy, a.k.a. Lickety Split, she flies very fast. Hammy, a.k.a. the Duke of Density, cloudy and dense. And little Katrina, a.k.a. Assault and Battery, stores energy and fires off exploding teddy bears. Guest starring Clunk and Dag Nabbit. Tony Baraxo, Dag Nabbit, manufactures and throws great gobs of cookie dough. And Rufus Washington, also known as Clunk, becomes a living portal to a dark place. A dark, rich, chocolatey place. We all hate the last day of summer vacation, but no one more than the Bower Kids. Sammy, Tammy, Hammy, and little Katrina are refusing to frolic on the beach, choosing instead to sulk, which is contrary to what the caption box above their heads is saying, which, again, states that they are, should be, and need to be frolicking on the beach. Golly gosh, Sammy, do we have to just because it says so in the caption box? Whoever wrote that caption was a wise guy. I'm gonna punch him in the nose. Well, don't want to frolic. Want to play instead. Well... That will get annoying real fast. Too bad there's not something to distract this little hodgepodge of Bower Brats. Ooh, I think I spotted just the thing to distract them. How about an alien spaceship that they mistake 
as George Lucas's Beach House. That's just the ticket we needed. But after going over to George Lucas's Beach House and discovering that it is not a house at all, but actually a crashed, abandoned spaceship, the Bauer Brats do what any good old American child of the 80s would do. They use this not-a-house apparent hunk of junk as a target for rock-throwing and graffiti. Because again... It is what any good old American child of the 80s would do. For that matter, this describes American children of just about any decade for the last several hundred years. Find something, throw rocks at it. This is an alien smarty pants ship whose name might roughly translate to a week ago the Tuesday last. I'm going to call it a waddle for short. After a waddle yells and tells these brats to cut it out, it continues to defend itself by using a long-winded exposition about being sent to Earth by the Smellians to warn them of an upcoming invasion by the Snarfs. This two-fold sword sets up a meta of the story and has the added benefit of causing the kids to fall asleep. That sounds highly effective. I use the same trick to make my family leave me alone. It is incredibly ineffective and rarely is seen as cruel and unusual punishment. In a continuing gesture of unearned goodwill or possibly a continued attempt at self-preservation, a waddle asks them if they want to help save the earth. What's in it for us? I'll give you superpowers and snazzy costumes to go with them. Well, okay. If you can't make us MTV VJs, I guess superheroes are the next best thing. Now it is time for the superhero roll call. Sammy, Mr. Not Alex himself, will don the superhero mantle of... Whoa there, cowboy. We already did that roll call like half a page ago. So what? Repetition and overstated exposition is comedy gold. You're not wrong, but how did you come to that conclusion? My life and the majority of my social interactions are spent engaged with a three-year-old. Let's just move on. The kids are all close enough parody analogs to be recognizable, and they walk into their house wearing their new costumes, ready to talk all about their origin story. But their parents are eh, too busy watching the hard-hitting, yet sensitive Phil Donahue show, and don't have any desire to hear, or look, or recognize their children. On the TV, the white-haired host with the most is interviewing a couple of snarks who are leaning back, smoking cigarettes, and letting the people know what the 411 is. So that's it in a nutshell, Phil. We're here to take over your planet and enslave all you goobers what live here. Phil couldn't care less about guests that only want to talk about the world domination plans. Phil wants the down low on the important issues that his audience wants to hear about. What about women's issues? What are their thoughts on equal pay? I mean, that man could weep. Back off, dipstick. I thought you were the hard-hitting yet sensitive Phil. If we wanted that kind of stuff, we would be talking to the effusively sentimental yet emotionally silly Oprah creature right now. Who could blame them? They came on the show for straight talk, not sensitive issues. And as they said, they would have gone on Oprah for that. They chose poorly. I mean, who do people remember today? Oprah. If only. If only. The show is interrupted by a quietly sincere yet shamefully panic-stricken news bulletin read by a smiling anchor. A, uh, a human woman news anchor, that is. Not like a smiling ship's anchor. That'd be weird. Anyways, this human anchor cheerfully tells the audience that the Snarf's invasion of our world has begun. The alien armada rings our planet. Savage scrooch beams wreak havoc on world capitals and casualties mount. Woohoo! And to top it all off, her foot's asleep. She is asking if anyone knows what to do when that happens because she hates it. 
don't we all? I mean, she just hates it when her foot falls asleep. The best thing to do is something she can't really do because she needs to be sitting behind the desk as still as possible. For most people, changing position... Uh, Jeff, uh, handsome Jeff, you're, uh, you're, you're way off topic. Sorry. The kids, meanwhile, have decided to keep their powers a secret from their loving yet overly protective parents. In order to maintain this charade, the Bauer Brats have taken to only using their powers everywhere around the house and constantly just behind their parents' backs and sides and fronts. Their parents, as loving and as wonderful as they may be, just seem to be as oblivious as something very oblivious is. I think that their obliviousness might have something to do with them both going halfway Matt Murdock. And that is where you go blind, but the body's way of compensating for that is to have all of your other senses remain the same, or maybe even less. It is good to see that not Jim Power, let's call him Dim Bauer, remains an awesome yet caring dad to his kids. He told them if they wanted to go out and play in the alien invasion to not get their clothes dirty. Keeping your kids' clothes clean during an alien invasion. Man, that is good parenting. Let's see Reed Richards do that. Even with the alien invasion occurring, there seems to be an even more dire matter facing our heroes. Well, there ain't no more cookies. Step trainer, I'll punch you in the nose. There ain't no more chocolate chip cookies. Gotta say, I'm with little Katrina here. No more cookies? I mean, why even go on living? While the rest of the brats gather around to try and solve the problem, Katrina has literally, and I mean literally, turned on the waterworks as her tears begin to flood the apartment. Apparently this is not just a simple matter of going to the store. All chocolate chip cookies are gone from... Everywhere. Wait, did they try Costco? I always get my chocolate chip cookies from there. Yes, other Jeff. They checked there. <sighs> okay, uh, what about in the way back of the pantry? I mean, you know, if you usually there's a there's just a bag back there usually, right? Checked ten times now. Oh, uh hey, ooh, hey, did they check the bodega down the block? Charlie the owner always they has They checked, checked everywhere. Jeez, you don't have to shout. I think some people around here are having cookie withdrawals. I am not. I can quit at any time. But we are moving on. The three other kids are floating in a canoe in the now-flooded apartment, while Hammy is still holding the crying Katrina's head above the water by one of her braids. Forget the alien invasion. There's finally a mystery worth investigating with their superpowers. These kids must use their powers to solve the disappearing cookie problem, stat. Meanwhile, in the second half of the story... Home of Clunk and Dagnabbit. We find that Tawny Baraxo and Rufus Washington come from different backgrounds, but have the same motivation. Chocolate chip cookies! The cause of, and solution to, all of my life's problems. Fate. That cruel, cruel hostess cupcake caused both of these youngsters to become entrapped by a vicious bakery shop gang. They are then forced to eat an experimental batch of synthetic chocolate chip cookies. Oh no! Not the synthetic! Boo! I hope the artificial sweeteners don't give them the runs. Well, wow. Wow. While they survived, they were transformed, mutated, changed forever. Oh, no! The rest of their story is... <gasps> too horrible to tell. Which probably makes it awesome. 
Tawny developed a love for front-revealing clothing and the ability to generate and expel gobs of cookie dough. Rufus went the opposite route. His shyness deepened and he obscured his entire body in thick blue and black curtain materials. His body became a living portal to a dark place, a doorway into a land of deep, dark, rich, chocolate chips. Then they whooped the bread baskets of the bakers who did this to them. Unfortunately, in a world with no chocolate chip cookies, a duo that can produce the yummy treat as a power set became the focus for a lot of people. Enter the Bower Brats, who swoop in and kidnap the pair so they can have the cookies all to themselves. We're, we're really not kidding here, folks. I mean, if you had the power, would you not want to steal all the cookies for yourselves? But with great power, there must also come... No time for that! Cookies! There is a limit, though, on how many of all the cookies you can eat in one sitting. And once that limit of cookie stuffing is reached, the narrator of the story comes up with an idea to catch the cookie monster who is stealing all of the cookies. This is the plan. Clunk and Dagnabbit are bait for whatever is taking the cookies. In order to track the diabetes-inducing duo, they are given Katrina's Mama doll. Mama! How, you may ask, is this a tracking device? I swear on all my stacks of comic books that I did not ask such a question. Mama! I will tell you anyway! Katrina loves that dolly and has an uncanny, mute-like ability to track it anywhere. Anywhere. Once after Hammy flushed it, she tracked it to Paris, France. Mama! That night, the unexpected expectedly happens when the duo of Clunk and Dagnabbit... Uh, trio! You forgot to include the mama doll. Mama! <sighs> okay, the trio. That night, the unexpected expectedly happens when the trio of Clunk and Dagnabbit and the mama doll are cookie-napped and taken up into space. Mama! The Bower Brats board their Smarty Pants ship and Katrina tracks the doll to... 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 Can you feel the tension build? To... Hey, guys, do you want a cookie? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. You have a bite right now. Yeah, those good. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Oh, good. Really those those good. Good. oh this is good. nice. Oh, these are homemade. Yeah, these really are homemade. nice. Oh, yeah, oh. Just, yeah, Hillary did a good job on it. Very nice. Yeah, uh, chocolate chunks, not chips. Just a fresh. They've just been on the cooling rack. Hey, get on with the story. Oh, right, right. Uh, to... Galactopus and his new Herald, called Herald, who has a cosmic-powered pogo stick. So why? Why has this two-eyed, two-horned, flying purple planet eater been snatching up all of the cookies? Well, other Jeff, I'm glad you asked. After the Fantastical Four spanked his tuchus the last time he tried to eat the Earth, he became hungry, and so he had his Herald, Herald, steal the cookies, and chocolate chip is his favorite. Then he starts to cry. Poor mans. Take off your funny hat and I'll blow your nose. Yeah, I'd like to punch it. And lo, once the helmet is off, the visage of Galactopus is seen. Why, he looks just like a Bob's Big Boy mascot. This is not a coincidence. Not even a little coinkydink. It was during one of his eating tours of the galaxy that some ancient cave people saw him. They carved his likeness and started to worship him, which was... Fine, but then centuries later, some restaurant corporation came along and stole his look and never paid him any royalties and yada, yada, yada. Man, that happens to me all the time. Well, it made him a galactic joke and hurt his galactic-sized feelings. And he put on a galactic mask 
and never looked back at the galaxy. This has given Tammy an awesome idea. One, she whispers in his ear, saying that it's a recipe for something that he will like even better than cookies. Later, we see that the planet has cookies again, and the Bower Rats have more than enough to make them happy. Plonk and Deg Nabbit are no longer hunted, so they can go back to smothering bad bakers with their baked good power sets. I miss the dolly! <laughs> Mama! And Galactopus, now embracing and rocking his natural big old boy look, is munching on his new favorite snack in the galaxy. Deep fried snarflegs. Yummy! Yo the end. Next issue, New Mutants 49 and X-Factor Annual Number 1. But this issue, it's time for the themes of the issue and power pack packaging time! Is that a new song? Yeah, I just made it up. I know it is, because I love it when you do a new one for it each and every time. I think that's great. <laughs> it is the themes of the issue. Let's talk about this cover and this package and this everything. Well, I'll start off by just saying that this cover was drawn by our favoriteest friend in the world, John Bogdanoff, with Al Milgram doing the inking. Better looking, Jeff. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what's on this cover? Well, I'm probably, of the three of us, the only one that bought this when it was new nope really i bought it new okay i bought it brand okay. new i have i have about all six seven of these i think before i stopped collecting them i i can't remember how many of these i actually got but off the rack okay i was actually a little surprised uh it was 1988 i i was thinking it came out after i graduated but no i would still have been in high school so anyway uh corner box has uh wooferine and Forbish Man, and the banner at the top tells us this is the Marble Mag of Mirth and Mayhem. What the? The usual battle of the century when Titans tussle. However, the Titans on this cover are just hanging around enjoying themselves. Wolverine is using his claws to toast a marshmallow over the Human Torch, who is sitting there reading a copy of What the? Spidey is upside down enjoying a s'more. The Hulk is in a comfy chair in a nice suit, drinking some tea or coffee. She-Hulk's getting a sandwich header for box lunch, and the Penetrator's doing some needlepoint. It is a really fun, cute cover. Panel at the bottom says, more action than you can stand. And we have the Hulk, who has also got his hair nicely combed. Oh, it's, it's a very nice coif. Yeah, uh, we actually have Wolverine saying, forget it, bub, we're on our break. And the Hulk saying, union, union, union rules, rules, don't, don't you, know? you know? Yeah, <laughs> I have used that multiple times. I have said, you know, forget it, I'm on my break. Union rules, don't you know? And this is where I always got that from. I have used that phrase from this comic. This is a fun cover. Yes. It did what a cover is supposed to do and enticed me to buy the issue. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, neither the Power Pack nor the Bower Brats are anywhere on it. No, but this has everything you want from late 80s. It has Wolverine. It has the Punisher. It has got Spider-Man. You got the three powerhouses at that time of Marvel Comics. Yep. It's going to get people to pick this up. And it worked, because at least yeah. two of the three of us had this. Plus, first <laughs> issue, first issue, we didn't really know what, what this was. It's what the, you know, mirth and mayhem, and this looks silly. This is a joke book. This is parody. And this <laughs> is a parody book that's got some good stuff in it. I mean, you, your mileage is going to vary on some of the content in this book. That's fine. But let's just kind of look at the people we've got on here. We've got people that have contributed to this. Peter Gillis, Hilary Barda, John Severin, Terry Austin, June Brigman, uh, which we're going to talk about that one here pretty soon here. Uh, John Bogdanoff, Al Milgram, 
Steve Ditko <laughs> and John Severin. We've got some top tier people that have contributed to this book and that's just the first issue yeah and that's the first issue so they came out of the they came out of the box swinging on this later issues had contributions from john byrne and chris claremont some of aaron lopresti's earliest work was in an issue of what the and all they're doing is making fun of the company that's giving them the money <laughs> yeah for the most part, yeah. they also make some fun of the distinguished competition. Oh, yeah, yeah, and they have to. At least in this first one, it's pretty much good fun. It's good, clean fun. They are doing just some silly, goofy little parodies over the things that have got them a lot of money. Because they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's fun to be able to just kind of cut loose and just be like, this, it doesn't matter. I, I can, do you want me to make a story? It has to be nonsense. You bet. I can just do a thing. It doesn't matter what it is as long as it's got some laughs in it. And that's great. So, yeah. Now, Jeff, you have only read the one story in this book. Yes. Uh, you This one. Yeah, you, you, I did not let you borrow this because I'm mean. The other Jeff and I will talk really <laughs> quickly. I mean, there's three other stories that are in here. Uh, is there any other one that really stuck out as... You know, before we get into the one we just covered, is there anyone that really stuck out to you as being really good or memorable? When I was young, my favorite of the four stories was the third story, The Unnecessary Expersons and the New Pubescence in When Titans Bunch. Yeah. And it's making fun of the X-Men and the proliferation of X-Titles and how they have to cross over fairly often. Yeah. Not just with each other, but with the rest of the Marvel Universe. And it's just escalation and escalation and escalation. It's really insane. Even better is, it's one of our favorites, it's John Bogdanov's art. And John is just cutting loose. He is very cartoony, very silly, making him very extravagant on the, the choices that he's got. And you can just tell he's having fun. And there's a joke in every single page as they get more and more of the Marvel Universe there. And finally ending with, you know, the Beyonder there talking about Secret Wars 3. No! <laughs> yeah, I would say that that is also my favorite as well. Well, and the story ends with the artist dying of a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. Because, because there's just too much going on. He can't handle it anymore. Very much right out of Mighty Python again, kind of a Holy Grail-esque there where the artist dies at the table. <laughs> yep. the, the, the tombstone in the final panel says, Moral, team books kill. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's true. <laughs> the first story is about the pulverizer, which eh, it's all right. Uh, the last one, it's it's another Secret Wars kind of a thing, and it's Steve Ditko just kind of going nuts on art. Which I think Steve Ditko's art makes that last one really interesting because it's all about the Watcher and everything he's doing. The third story and the power backstory are the best two that are in here. If it wasn't for the credits, you would not be able to tell this is Steve Ditko art. Right. It is wild. It's insane. It is severely distorted. Which makes it even better. <laughs> I mean, it, it does. It's like there's Steve Dicko art just going absolutely, absolutely crazy. Anyways, let's get on and talk a little bit about the Power Pack 1, the Bauer Brats. So we talked a lot about the parody. Let's talk about the overall parody. I mean, what what is going on here? It's kind of nice that they put Power Pack in this first issue because, you know, they've got X-Men, they've got Secret Wars, they've got Punisher, and they got Power Pack. So bravo Power Pack for making <laughs> With the top ones there. What is one makes a good parody? I mean, I think we said at the beginning, you recognize the kids. We don't have to do too much explanation on who the kids are. We recognize exactly who they are meant to represent. How did you guys like the parody, the joking of it? I love wordplay. So the fact that so much of the humor in this comes from mocking existing characters and ideas 
by slightly twisting names and words greatly appealed to me. It also greatly amuses me that the parody versions of Alex, Julie, and Katie look like parodies, but Hammy just looks, and for that matter, sounds like Jack. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's why I uh, didn't change. I was like, okay, how am I going to do a voice? I'm like, ah, oh, should I do a tough cover? And I'm like, no, Jack's going to have my generic... <laughs> No, Jack, like, no, yeah, Hammy's going to have my generic Jack voice yeah. and old man grumpy because this is just distilled Jack. <laughs> In a later issue of What The, John Byrne writes a caption that explains it's impossible to write dialogue for the thung that doesn't sound like the real thing. And I feel that's what happened with Jack slash Hammy here. Also, the Duke of Density is a great code name. Yes, yeah, that's much better than uh, Mass Master. <laughs> yeah, Mass Master's fine. Duke, Duke of Density Duke, is great. Duke, Duke, Duke of Density, 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 Duke of Density, I do feel it was a missed opportunity to have Clunking Dag Nabbit be Chunk and Doger. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I've got a couple other issues with Clunking Dag Nabbit, and We'll probably get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We'll probably get there. Um, we should probably talk about it a little bit, but I think it's pretty fun. Now, Jeff, do you have anything to add on that at all? Or? You might be surprised what with the number of parody songs that I'll do for the show and everything. I'm not an excessive fan of parody. So parody stories, if they are done right, they can hit really well for me. But uh, most of the time is just, just groans. It just grates on me. So... <laughs> <laughs> this had some stuff where I was like, okay, yeah, this has got some good stuff in it. But it also had some stuff where I'm like, yep, this is a parody. So <laughs> so I, I don't think I'm going to be as effusive about it as, as you two. So uh, maybe it, fair enough. it, it might it, have something to do fair. with me not having the original issue. Maybe that's it, it. It might be. It might be. I like Like we already said, I bought this off the rack. I bought a lot of these off the rack. There was a point in time, even for me as a kid, I was going, eh. I also saw later later iterations of these issues where it, Kind of was like, okay, it's kind of a tired gag now. Mm-hmm. Early issues, it was like, this is new. This it's is new, fun. It's fresh. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It, 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 it'll cover the same thing as like, you know, it was like when we were talking about the New Mutants one where we had the life field art. Yeah. You know, going in that. And we had the whole discussion about how like people absolutely love that. It was, mo- and then until they hated it, which was within a, <sighs> not that long. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Rick is right though about what the, as a title that it didn't take long for the jokes to get stale. Yeah, that is the nature of jokes. I mean, just look at kind of current culture right now where you have a lot of jokes where it's just like, yes, it was funny at the time, but it needs to move on, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, you know, there's been comedians that have talked about that where just like, you know, where some of them are very much just like, no, if it was funny then, it's funny now. And you might think so, but it's not true. And even Seth Rogen is like, hey, let go of your jokes, because things age and sometimes things aren't funny anymore. And that's one of the things that I love about Pat Oswalt is that he is constantly putting the work in. He's not just doing the same old jokes. It's not like you can, you know, it's like, oh, hey, there's a Pat Oswalt special on. Let's see what he's going to talk about. It's the same thing he talked about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. He, constantly evolving, constantly doing. You have Jokes have to move forward. You yeah. have to reinvent. You have to continually keep on going on. You ha- It's like the proverbial shark. It can't sit still in the water. Right. Let's go ahead and talk, because I mentioned it before. I do have a little bit of a problem with Clunk and Dagnabbit. And once again, it's kind of the, well, this came out mid to late 80s. And mm-hmm. sensitivities are a little different then. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really enjoy uh, how they portrayed Rufus Washington before he became a clunk. 
They made Clunk and Dig Nabbit very, very stereotypical, which is, there's a lot of yeah, problems. It yeah, is. Rufus is kind of like uh, Bubba from Forrest Gump. Bubba's even better character than Rufus. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. true, but Bubba had a lot more time to develop as a character. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, Rufus was kind of portrayed as the kind of slow-witted, dopey... Country bumpkin. Uh, poor country bumpkin farmer who was sent to the big city with their only cow to go and get the equivalent of the magic beans, basically. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you go, you take that cow in the city and you sell it for chocolate chips. Don't you eat them chocolate chips or that cow. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's got the bib overalls and one's undone and just kind of the doop da doop da doop walking the cow down to the city, big old city to sell it. The, the only thing I can say is that... It, we have that characterization there for three panels and the rest of the time he's clunk. So we don't really get to see it. So, okay, we'll move on then from it. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. Other than that, I mean, yes. Yeah. Dagnabbit is the stereotypical cares of nothing. Yeah. She's a wasp. She's the rich affluent doesn't understand any society that, isn't just her smallest of realms you know it's just like when bower brats come you know and and let's just admit it kidnap them to steal their steal their cookie powers one could say that she's clueless she is clueless yeah yeah, yeah but she but she's just like ooh, why are these people t- touching my personage you know it's just like yeah. yeah and it's all like you know it's like first of all where are their nannies why are they even here why are they talking to me it's just kind of like out of touch elite rich person who really has no comprehension. Let me ask you guys this. This is mid to late 80s. There is a lot of specific pop culture references in here. Each of you, what is your favorite dated joke that's in here? (laughs) There are a few things that younger readers today just wouldn't understand the reference of, such as Donahue and Strikeforce Pretoria. I mean, mozzarella but my favorite is having galactopus be bob's big boy in disguise mm-hmm. yeah I, I that was that was going to be mine as well it's something i do really remember from reading this that that was the other thing i remember from this is the bob's big boy because at that time in portland we still had i think one or two bob's big boys and so like i remember driving past i'm like hey it's galactopus you know <laughs> Because <laughs> I made that connection in my own head. And yeah, nowadays we don't have those anymore. So I got a kick out of that too. I could easily jump on and go, yeah, that's my favorite too. I'm going to hear you guys talk about it more. That's my favorite thoughts as well. I came up with those thoughts. No, I think I like the kids are using their, their powers in front of them, the parents. And the parents are co- totally blind on it. And they're just a little... The parents were literally blind. They had the dark glasses on and, you know, the, the tin of pencils and little notes that say blind. It was your yep. very typical representation of a uh, sight-impaired person in all media. Yep. Well, uh, apparently, if you are blind, your only job you can do is sell pencils. Yeah. And they did that. Yeah. Do you remember, as a kid, actually encountering, you know, with my parents, someone who was blind and selling pens? <laughs> so, I mean, yes, it's it's a stereotype. But it's a stereotype because they actually existed. I had a blind friend in uh, in college at Clark. Awesome, super smart, super fun. Everything about her was great. She did not sell pencils. So, <laughs> <laughs> to your knowledge, to your knowledge, you don't know. You're right, I, you're right. I don't know how she made her way through. How she paid her way through school. She might have worked hard for that money. She might selling have those hard pencils. For, yes, yes, yes. P- yeah. Selling those pencils on the hard streets of a big city. A girl's <laughs> got to do what a girl's got to do. Is there anything else about this? 
very, very small little story that you guys want to talk about, or should we get onto our power thoughts? I thought it was funny that like they introduced the abandoned spaceship on the beach, and the first thing the kids do with it is tag it, throw yeah, tag it, and throw rocks at it to break the windows. Oh, hey, man, that is accurate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and, and Tammy was painting specifically Kilroy. Big yes, thank you. I couldn't remember the name of it. Gilroy was here, and I think Katrina was uh, painting a smiley face. (laughs) Yeah, and Sammy and Hammy were chucking rocks at the window. Yep, yep. Because that's what kids are like. But we, we are like people who like to talk about power thoughts. So let's talk about what we're going to put onto that floating refrigerator that is now just submerged below all of. Katrina's tears in the family's apartment. What is the joke artwork that we would like to put onto that submerged refrigerator? Let's start with our guest, Jeff. So my top joke visually is the fourth page of the story, fifth panel, assault and batteries tears have filled the apartment so much that the rest of the bower bats are in a rowboat, but their parents are still on the couch wearing scuba gear but oblivious to anything out of the ordinary. And and I do like that we got Hammy over there holding up Katrina by the pigtail and just looking angry about it. (laughs) Yeah, Hammy's generic basic thing is grumpy face and this motion in the background. Yep. Punching his punk. Ah, I'm going to punch you in the nose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that one. Yeah, that is on page 12 of the comic. The, the other thing I like, too, is that there is a picture in the background, and the picture is also wearing a snorkel. Did I notice that? I did not notice that. That I is fantastic. That nice. Yeah, they're wearing scuba gear. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Other Jeff, what is your favorite joke one? My favorite joke one is on page 15 of the comic. Mm-hmm. And I call it Cookie Tummy. And <laughs> <laughs> it is a road I've been down many a time, my friends. This is after the Bower Brats have kidnapped Clunk and Dagnabbit, eaten their exceptionally large fill of fresh-made cookies from a power set power. They've all got that standard, you know, just the big old tummy bloat where it's just... The cartoon version of saying, yeah, you can tell they're full and in fact overly full because they've got cookie tummy. You got three of them that are just near comatose and you got Tammy's in there actually talking, but she's also got the wide eye. I am like, I am like sugared up kind of look on her yep. face too. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. The uh, three kids on the background two, Yeah, they all got the bloated tummies. They've got Sammy and Katrina are still eating cookies, but they've all got smiles. Each and every one of them is just happy. It's just like, yeah, man, that's what I needed. I'm going to go back to uh, page 12 because what you mentioned as Jeff has your uh, favorite little dated reference with them holding the little cups with blind and the pencils. I -hmm. found that to be very funny. Not so much about that, but I like all of the things that the kids are doing in front of them. Sammy's hanging upside down and Tammy's like flying right in front of him. Hammy is sitting there with punching his air fist, still angry looking. The only one that is behind the parents is Cloud Hammy. Yeah. But he's like everybody right, else he's is right directly in front of their, yeah, he's the parents. Right feet. up in their face, though. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I that's the one that got me. I thought that was very funny. I get. <laughs> Let's go back around and talk about our top best art one. What is yours, Mister Polier? Of the story, page seven, panel five. They find Galactopus and Harold. Galactopus is standing on two planets at the same time. Yeah, that's a good one. It is an epic shot 
in this very funny story. Yeah, I I agree with that one. I do like that. He's using two planets to to stand on, which is very cool. It's that's very Galactus. I like it. Yeah. I love original flavor Galactus scale issues because it's either like he's about like 20 feet tall or the size of nine galaxies. You know, it's just like, it just depends on the artist where it's like, well, the earth is a glimmer in his pupil, you know, kind of thing. Or it's just like, well, I mean, he's tall next to an average tall person, you know? But what you're saying is he's never just a cloud. Yeah, he's never just a cloud. Yeah, he's not. Mm, he's mm, he's not an angry space cloud. Shots fired I, at Fantastic <laughs> Four two, and everything. Still Silver Surfer. Wow. Yeah, yeah and Parallax off of uh, Green yeah, Lantern. Yeah, he looked a lot just, like Parallax in Green Lantern. That is, that is, I think that is a problem that occurred in later early two thousand era of just like we need a big, big giant monster that they're gonna fight. Well, Galactus is a giant, uh, you know, purple armored man, and they're like mm, no that, that sounds ridiculous i know how about an angry cloud uh no well we got a particle particle effects generator that we could make and it would it could look like an angry cloud we're at the end of the movie and we have only one stack of money left <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, started uh, off with 50 stacks of money. We've got one stack of money. Painted yourself in a little bit of a corner there, didn't you? <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeff, what is your top best art one, sir? My top best art one is on page nine, and it is a splash page credit page, and I call it Make a Wish. Yep. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. And that is what Sammy is saying. He's saying, everybody make a wish because it has the Bower Brats and Clunk and Dagnabbit, and they're all pulling onto the toes and feet of a very distressed snark because they're going to pry him in half. Yep, yep, yep. But, but going with her elite status, yeah. Dagnabbit is barely holding on to one toe of the snark. Yeah, she just, just has a two-finger pinch. and forefinger. And she looks disgusted that she's touching it at all. Yeah, she's leaning away from it. She's just like, I'll, I'll do it for the publicity photo. But Clunk is the only one really doing work on their on their leg. It's true. And then on the other <laughs> hand, it's it's all about Mr. Hammy. Just he's like, I'm grabbing my arms around this thing. I'm going to yank until I get my get my wish. And, and, and yep. the look of just terror on the poor Snarf's face. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, this was my favorite one, too. I went back and forth. I really like this. This is all you needed to know. This is the joke right here. It's yep. Bower Bratz and Clunk and Dag Nabbit, and it, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'm with you guys on that. All right, let's move on to Rubber and Glue Moment, the best or most childish insult. Let's just go ahead and do our top ones again, and this time I'm going to start with the other Jeff. Original flavor, which is me. Mmm. I, I call you the uh, spicy ranch one. Mmm. <laughs> Dressing I'm not a big fan of. Cool <laughs> ranch is how I view myself. Spicy ranch. Spicy ranch. Spicy. Interesting. <laughs> spicy. I like spicy stuff. Man, I could go for some spicy stuff. Chips sound really good right now. Focus. Never mind. Focus, Where are we at? Focus. focus pull. Okay. So, my favorite rubber or glue moment is on page 11. Mm -hmm, there's a lot of them on that page. <laughs> there is a lot of them on that page, but it is from my favorite alien race to voice on the Phil Donahue show. And this is when Phil Donahue's like, yeah, I don't care about your alien invasion plans. I want to know about, like, what do you think about women's issues and stuff? And that one snarf is just, back off, dipstick. Dipstick. 
Dipstick Back is off. Dipstick. Dipstick is mm, very, mm. very good. Very good. Mm, very good. Mm. All right. That's one of them. Other Jeff, I will let you go first and see if you take mine. What is your favorite? Uh, my favorite is on, it's page 10 of the comic, it's page two of the story. Panel two, when Tammy says, quit crying, little Katrina, you'll oversalinize the ocean. Nice, nice scientific, yep. nice scientific little insult there. Very well done. Very well done. I like it. How many people ever thought that that could happen? You know, yeah, a child could cry. I've ne- I've never seen a small child cry before. Every day about everything. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Moving on. I'm I'm not going to touch that one. I am not going to touch that one at all because I don't want to give you the honor. You goobers. Oh, oh, oh this oh. is the, the oh, you, you've heard this show. This is the classic kind of Rick. Usually he introduces the Reverend Glue moment by saying mean, nasty, unkind things to me because he's a, he's a, a no, big no, I'm head. just reading it out of the comic. You see, that's one of the things that oh. the snarf said on page 11. They said that to basically all of us that they want to uh, enslave all yes. you goobers. What live here? <laughs> they called us goobers. Goobers. They called us goobers. Oh, I'm not a chocolate covered peanut. Mm. Yes, you are to them. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> How do you know that flesh doesn't taste like chocolate on their planet? Huh? So, <laughs> well, so, if you are what you eat. Did <laughs> I want a flashback to the previous issue that we covered? Where it's, Shut your hair hole, monkey man. <laughs> Okay. All right. Enough insulting. We're going to do this. We are. We are pretending that this is a real power pack book. We are going to rank the children's, and they all are wonderful. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So everyone's a star child. Stars in detention. Stars in detention. Who is going to be the best and the worst child? (laughs) Who is your worst Bower brat then? My worst is Golly G. Wiz. Golly G. Okay. Wiz. He is completely ineffective and only important to the story because it needed an Alex stand in. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. Okay. That's I could fair. see that. It was a short story. There was a lot of people that didn't do anything. Yes. But of the people who didn't do anything, he did the least. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anything. I, I can agree okay. with that. I can I agree. see that. I, I can agree with that. Yep. Not a bad choice. Not How a about bad you, choice. Rick? I went with Katrina. Really? I did. I went with Katrina because I really wanted her to stop crying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just, you. I just, I mm, can't. Just, I can't. I you can't. angry parent. I, I am. You just angry, am. abusive I parent. I am. Okay. Not, mm. not, not happy with the constant, constant crying. Not, not my cup of coffee. I get that. Or uh, cup of coffee. Yeah. Or a cup of coffee. Mmm. <laughs> I don't think, I don't drink tea. I drink coffee, my dear. I also choose uh, Katrina, not because of the crime, because I'm a better parent than that, but because she flooded the uh, the apartment, which would have destroyed it. She also then, uh, when they left, that flooded apartment also washed the parents out the window so they could plummet to their death. Here is the biggest thing on her that really struck her as my worst child, and that is when they were using their powers in front of their blind parents now, she was disintegrating the roll of yarn that her mom was knitting with. And I thought that was uh, immensely cruel. Yeah, that's not cool at all. That's not cool. Your, your, so, your yeah. blind parent has one has one thing that they love in all of life, yep. and that is that is knitting. That is knitting. And you have just yep. taken that away. What a bad yep. child. What a bad How child. How is she going to finish her yep. ugly, oversized stocking? 
It's just hideous and huge, and it's a sock no one will be it's able to beautiful wear. beautiful to her and her blind yeah, eyes. Exactly. It is It is the dream of better days, mm-hmm. and you took that from her, you monster Katrina. Horrible. Best child. I'm going to go ahead and go with Tammy. 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 Yeah, Tammy. Tammy Jeff, was... Jeff, you nodding your head, Tammy, too? T- yes. Yep. Uh, right. I chose Lickety Split as the top of the class. I, I actually almost went with Assault and Battery because it is her inborn power to track her doll. <laughs> that was a good but, thing. Yeah, yeah, that was the good thing she really, did. Really, Lickety Split mm-hmm. is the one that comes up with the effective plans. Yeah. 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 She came up so, with the effective plans. Yep. She, I mean, let's just name names. She was Julie. Yes. yes yeah, she was, she was, she was a Rudite. She was smart. She was compassionate. And yeah, she came up with a plan. And, she was and she, amazing. And she knows history too. She knows history. She was, yeah. she was not doing graffiti on the Friday stand. Yes, she was. She, she was she paying did too. homage to the oh. brave soldiers <laughs> in World War II by displaying Kilroy was here. That was an homage to the World War, the lost soldiers of World War II. All right, so we have the kids all figured out. We have everything done. What's next? What's next? Oh, oh, we're going to rank this bad boy. Yes, we are. It is a Power Pack-like story. We got all the Power Pack kids here. It's a story. How good's the story? I got my opinions on it, but let's talk about what's on our list. We've got a very large list here. Starting at number one, which is not in danger this time. Don't you worry, none. But starting at number one, (laughs) Power Pack 42, Revenge of the Boogeyman, Excellent, excellent issue. We aren't going to touch that one. Going down to, uh, let's say, number 12. This is Power Pack number 12, Underground. The kids get lost underground while saving a cat. <laughs> All right. Going down a little bit further here, we're going to say, oh, here we go. We're going to talk about what's at spot 25, and that's Power Pack 13. This is fireworks. This is a baseball game. An old player wants to blow up the stadium. Oh, no. I'm going down here to spot 38, an uncanny X-Men, volume one, number 205, Wounded Wolf. Ah, oh, that beautiful Barry Windsor Smith art. Mm, love it. Wolverine being hunted, and Katie is helping him. Down at spot 48, we've got Seeing the Light. This is where Power Pack 37, the kids meet Rebecca, the young mutant who teleports towards light and down at spot 62 power pack 21 the great gugam treasure hunt aha now we're in terry austin territory yes sir <laughs> bobby <laughs> carrie d and jack save the author from two-thirds of the three stooges yes 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 and all the way down at the very very bottom still acts of vengeance typhoid mary yeah less said about that one the better okay terry austin wrote this one I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is my favorite Terry Austin story that we've seen. Okay. Okay. All right. I, uh... Terry Austin loves Power Pack. You know, we found that out from good old John Bogdanov told us how much Terry Austin loved it. Mm So I'm uh, a lot more forgiving of what Terry Austin was doing. But... I could totally see that and kind of agree. So let's look at what the top spot I th- is for Terry. I think that is on spot 55, the Strange Tales, 12 through 14. Okay. Well, I, I think this is a good place to start because, I mean, Strange Tales, and we've also got Cloak and Dagger here. So we've got something very, very comparable. This is a more silly version of that one. Like I said, I, I think it goes somewhere around here. I think that this is good. We just ranked Sweet Young Blondes from the Power Pack Holiday Special number one. We have this up here about spot 54. And then, of course, above that's Mysterio. I'm really kind of liking putting this maybe at spot 55. I think that's fine. I think this is a fun little story. I think it does what it should do. Maybe maybe go above Sweet Young Blondes. I'd, I'd be willing to... I'd be kind of curious to see how high you want to go on this, Jeff. Oh, man. Yeah, they're similar-ish in length. Mm-hmm. They have very different themes thematically. Yeah. Sweet Young Blondes obviously was a Julie story where this is a... 
my goodness, there's Bower Brass, Cloak, you know, Clunk and Deg Nabbit, and Galactopus, and a Herald in there. There's a bunch. There's a snarfs, lot more story. There's a lot more story in this one. There's a lot more. There's story. a huge amount of story. But you know what's not in this story? No Fantastic Four. Ooh. No Fantastic. I know. Uh, I'm kind of. <laughs> this and let me let me ask you this do you would you like this one more than the mysterio one this is where power pack solves the scooby-doo story with an old man mysterio from power pack 55 man i oh i kind of do like this better than mysterio wow, let's just keep uh, on going I, up then yeah i i think i might like the job better okay than the where the power pack babysits cable though that's that's about as short and inconsequential and as silly as this one so i yeah. I, I think that's good i think that one might be a little bit better because, I mean, it's a little more serious, but yeah, I, I think we're in the definitely right area here. I am perfectly fine with this being the number new number 53. Mr. Polier, our guest, do you do you kind of like that? You've heard our show before. You kind of like where that's at, sitting at? Since I wasn't a Power Pack fan back then, I rather enjoyed them being skewered this way. <laughs> I knew just enough about them to understand all the things that were being made fun of. For that reason... I rank this rather highly based on years of listening to Unpacking the Power Power Pack. <laughs> I would put this on the list at number six. Wow. Okay, I'm, I'm going to look and see where this is at for number six here. Number six. Um, still rolling up. <laughs> number six is okay, that, Power Pack. Uh, power number pack four, four, Rescue, Taken to Space. Jack rescues his family. Well, they, they are wow. rescuing chocolate chips, but yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Number one. They're bringing cookies back <laughs> to the planet. Cookies back to the planet. Um, and, and that's right above small changes. That's where, you know, Wheezy resets the entire Power Pack story. So, I mean, ooh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> now, I, think, I, I, I appreciate your opinion, sir. I do appreciate your opinion, but I think... I think we're going to ignore it. I think... I realize I think, that my opinion does not affect the official ranking. No, it, but you did ask. It can. It actually does. Yeah. Um... Not in this case, though. We'll go ahead and keep it. We'll keep this one quite well over here as the new number 53. And that is going to be a nice little place for it. I, like I said, I enjoyed this. This is good memories from, from reading as a kid. If you get a chance, check out what does. Uh, they're a good, good fun. You can't find this one on Marvel Unlimited, unfortunately, but keep your eye out for them. They're kind of fun. We have drinks that we need to find a nice ranking for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what are you thinking about? Bear mug, porter brewed with Kumar coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm fond of it. It's a very generic what it is. Mm-hmm. The closest comparison I could think of would be Kona's uh, coffee porter. Yes, yes, yes. They're in the same vicinity. That one is a lot more kind of dirt flavor. Mm-hmm. Like it's got like a harsher acerbic yeah. coffee flavor. Yep. This has a smoother flavor going on. It's a little bit sweeter. It's nowhere near as like coffee ground right. flavor. Yeah. I am enjoying it. Yeah. It, it, I like it a lot. It's just missing something to push it over the top mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this is a favorite beer. It is very good. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. It's a strong four. I am agreeing with you on this. This is a good four for me as well. I think it's quite enjoyable. I think it's good for what it is. There's nothing special about it except that it is a fine, fine beer that doesn't have yeah. a lot of negatives against it. So by the good people over at Ruben's Brew. But that's what we think of this beer. Mr. Polier, what do you think of that lovely, lovely Powerade you got there? Well, I've had about 26 of the 28 ounces. Pretty sure I'm going to need to go pee really soon. (laughs) 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 Uh, You know, this is a fine drink. Uh, It's not too powerful. 
but still has a good orange flavor. It's not like they just showed it a picture of an orange. <laughs> it, it actually has some some good flavor to it. Would I like it better if it was uh, carbonated, like an orange soda? Yeah, I might. I might. But uh, I, you know, I do like I do like that it's zero sugar because I don't need the extra sugar. And uh, yeah, so I I would recommend this. All right, all right. Well, mm-hmm. then if you are going to the store and you need to be hydrated, Powerade is your drink of choice. If you're going to the store and you want to have Something that's going to keep you up all night long. Get the coffee beer. Okay. Choices were made. But you know what other choices were made? Kids' perspective. And that is where Carrie, Rick's daughter, tells us her choices and feelings about the book that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Yay. Hello, Carrie. How are you today? Hello, Daddy. I'm doing good. And you? Just fine. Just fine. We are reading something really strange today, aren't we? Yep. This is What the Number One from 1988, and this is kind of unlike most things that you've read, isn't it? Yeah. What did you think of this parody take off of Power Pack? So I tried looking at all of their symbols. Yeah? Katie has a teddy bear. Right. Why does she have a teddy bear? She lets off explosive teddy bears, apparently. Yep, that's right. What else? Alex, is that a brain? Yeah, because he's it's a brain with a feather because he says he, that he's... Light brain. <laughs> light. light brain, right. What's Julie's? We were having problems with that. It's, it's either supposed to be a tube of toothpaste with some toothpaste coming out of the top, or I think it's actually a tube of oil paint that the oil paint's coming out of the top. I, I don't know. It doesn't really fit really with her. It could fit with the rainbow because it's, you know, kind of a color paint. thing. Yeah. And then Jax is on another one that's hard to see. It's a tornado. Oh. <laughs> well, this was a little bit of a funky issue. Did you like it? Yeah, because it was fun. So you did like it. It was fun. You found it funny. Do you, you found it to be fun parody and not really, not being mean to the characters, but just having fun with the ideas of the characters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What really made you laugh the most? I think what really made me laugh is Cloak is not supposed to be crying, you know? Yeah. But instead he's like, I miss the dolly. (laughs) So you like the dolly joke then, huh? Yeah. Okay. Anything else that was real fun for you or that you enjoyed? When the kids uh, took Clunk and Dagnabbit out of... The mob. Yeah. Um, Dad Nabbit was asking, where are these kids' manners? And better still, where are their nannies? So where are their mommies or their aunties or their nannies or whoever's caring for them? That's what she's saying. Yeah. Is there any part that really confused you? What kind of confused me is how the parents could, like, watch the show. And then it has, like, them carrying coffee mugs that says blind. <laughs> So they're basically saying that the parents are just so blind that they can't tell that their kids have powers. Yeah. Even the mom's saying, Dear, where are the children? I haven't seen them all day. A good parody makes fun of things that we all see and that we all kind of question. Like, why don't the parents notice that their kids have powers? You know, why aren't the kids being more secretive about their powers? And yeah. Anything else that really confused you or you didn't get? It kind of confused me about... It's really simple, but we kind of already talked yeah. about that. And then I look at, like, the page where the parents are, like, watching television. Yeah. 
And like the last panel on that is like, I realize it says Strike Force Mozzarella. Where are you? <laughs> so there was a comic book back in the mid uh, 80s that was called Strike Force Moratori. And so it's just kind of a play of force. It's, it's just a play off of that. That's what it is. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then she says, and to top it all off, my foot's asleep. Yeah. It's just silly. Good parody is silly, too. Or, well, parody is silly. So this has got a lot of silly, goofy stuff in it. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about about this issue? Did you like it? You said you liked it, right? Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Uh, you're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. <laughs> you thought that was pretty funny, Carrie? Yeah, I agree. That was pretty funny. I like your thoughts on that. Shout out time! We like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 82, where we checked out the Marvel Superhero Summer Special number 6. Who can't say that with a straight face? Natives in a Strange Land. AJ, Certified Mass Mister. Al Sedano in Resurrection, and Adam Warlock in Thanos Podcast. Asimov Fangirl. Chad Michael Simon. Charles Gears. Chris Lydon. Clinton Robinson and his shows, Coffee and Comics and Fan Film Fridays. And he says, this is the one? Your new favoritist power pack story? <laughs> Craig McNichol. Ed209. Green Lantern HG, who posted the first pictures of the Unipiper on our Twitter account. Thank you, Green Lantern HG, and thank you to all of you who listened and posted pictures of the Unipiper from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> That was fun. I forgot why they were doing that. I did too. <laughs> I'm like, they're sure sending us pictures of Unipiper, I mean, which is oh, cool. That's but right. Oh, that's right. We talked extensively about them. Interesting. Fractal. Jeremy Daw. Max Reads Comics. Matthew Birdsey. New Warriors Talk. Nicholas Prom and his podcast, Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio Show. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm just, I'm skipped. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did... No, it's okay. <laughs> Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price, the podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. Waffles and his show, Waffles and Mario, talk about things. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporters. I've been adding alliteration every episode, and I said enough is enough. So we are going to scale it back and just use our favorite three for each name. Starting with the adorable, astonishing... And amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Deers. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verochi. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier? Aw, thanks, guys. <laughs> he is jovial. <laughs> Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdseed. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Lazaritz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickingly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame... Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant, Toddy Knock. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. And hey, 
Jeff, handsome Jeff, good-looking Jeff, Jeff that's not me, we really want to thank you for being on our show. And can you tell us where people can find you on the internet if you want to be found there? The best place to find what's going on with the Podcastcadia Network is at my website, podcastcadia.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-C-A-D-I-A.com. There you can find links to all my shows. Uh, There's also a links page for other podcasts I like, including, hey, monthly Monday movie muckabouts and Jeff and Rick unpack the power, unpacking the power of power pack. You can also find Podcast KD on Facebook and of the three shows, the unpracticed disorganized acting company also has its own Facebook group which is a good way to find out about all the recordings that are coming up. You've heard about his shows. He's already plugged mine. You can also find us sometimes over on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of Honor Match Secret Podcast, my monthly Monday Mook About show. You know where to find us. Jeff, what about merchandise? Well, we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. So you can go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money of the podcast is made. Yeah, you gotta monetize. If you're not monetizing, you're nothing. You're wasting your time. Power Pack the Flamethrower! The kids <laughs> love this one. Yeah, Power Pack the Job Broken Glass. You know, for kids, you can just play with it. Broken glass. They love it. You can just look at it, like, look through it like it's monoculars or something. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recording in front of a live studio audience of people that keep interrupting me as I'm trying to finish the show in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick present, our email address, Jeff and Rick present, all at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative as well, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. My loves, Jen, JJ, Carla, Mindy, Ellen, and Caitlin. My kids, Alex and Nori, and my goddaughter, Amira. We We love love you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action, also featured in this episode is Hackbeat. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Compotech.com and is unlicensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
while Hammy is holding the still crying kitty. Hit. Mm, nope. <laughs> well, Mama. Cloak and Dagnabbit are bait nope, for whatever nope, is taking nope, the. Nope. Nope. Try that again. You said cloak. <laughs> <laughs> Mama. I think maybe. Salute. Hey, yeah, hey, salute. hey. Press World F to War II Memorial down in Washington, D.C. has a Kilroy was here. Has I to. did not know that. It does. It's hidden. It's hidden on the on the monument. You have to go find it. But it is there, etched in gold in the marble. <laughs> By the way, Jeff, that would that's a that's a uh, uh, there was an old geocache that was a virtual geocache who was going and finding that. <laughs> oh, nice. Does that still exist? Or? I, it might, but I mean that's how I knew about it. <laughs> okay, that is super cool. I, I dig on that. Mama, you've read the strange tales, right? Twelve through fourteen, right, Jeff? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> Honestly. Did you hear the podcast we did about it? <laughs> well, I've heard every podcast, so yes. <laughs> You're an expert then. 